change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Pods Weekly. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, we have a lot to get into as always this week, but we have to start with the biggest news of the weekend. Something we weren't able to cover on our post-game show last week because it wasn't official yet. Mike, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The same Hamilton Tiger Cats that started the season 0-4. <laughs> same Hamilton Tiger Cats who were 3-9 and after Labor Day. How many times, maybe a half dozen each, we wrote this team off. Called them terrible, said they're going nowhere. Well, where they are going... It's to the playoffs. They are have officially clinched third seed in the East. They are playing playoff football this year. I I don't even know what to say. After their win over the Red Blacks on Friday night, the, we needed the Riders to lose. They got absolutely hammered by the Stamps on Saturday night. Ticats lock up that third seed. They're heading to Montreal to take on the Alouettes in the East semifinal. What do you think, man? Like, we said if this team got into the playoffs, we would talk ourselves into them going on a Grey Cup run. Are you ready to do that now? What are your feelings on this team actually clinching a playoff spot? What are your thoughts on this team having now won four of their last five, where you see them sort of fitting? Or is it, is it three of the last four? No, it's four of the last five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah four of the last so. five. Yeah, M- M- Winnipeg, Calgary, uh, Saskatchewan, and Ottawa. So, yeah, it's four oh, of the last yeah. five. Where do, you, where, where do you see the – are you ready? Are you ready to say they're going, they're going to the Cup? Well, I'm not ready to say they're going to the Cup because they still have two teams to play before that happens. But I will say this, they're in the playoffs. They have a chance to do that. Uh, Montreal and Toronto aren't teams that really scare anyone. Um, You know, they've been better than what Hamilton has been this year, but that doesn't mean that Hamilton can't beat them. Uh, I think that Hamilton has been improving, um, not necessarily offensively. I think the run game has gotten uh, a big uptick in the, you know, the last half of the season, really, with, that offensive line in front of them and West Hills running the rock. I think uh, our run game is, is pretty good right now. So if Dane, you know, comes into the playoffs and he's hot and he's playing well, I don't see why this team can't make the jump to the great cup. I really don't. Let me give you the glass half full reason why you should be optimistic that this team can make the title game. The, they played Montreal three times this year. All three were close games. They lost to both of them in Montreal, so that's not great. But those games were by seven and one point each. They could have easily won both of those contests. So it's not as if the Alouettes, and right now the Alouettes are, are what are they, eight and nine? So they're a game up on him. Like, these two teams could finish with the same record after this weekend. And it's a razor-thin margin that really separates these two teams. We know what Trevor Harris is. Sometimes he plays up to the level of a superstar. And sometimes he plays down to the level of a guy that shouldn't even be on the roster. So playoff time, he has not always been kind to Trevor Harris. 
this this will also be the fourth consecutive season. Can you believe that that they played Trevor Harris in a playoff game? And this will be the third different team they they, they played him when he was the quarterback in Ottawa and shredded him. They beat him in the East Final with Edmonton. They beat him last year with Montreal in the East Semi, and they get him again. It's it's kind of nuts that they keep coming up against Trevor Harris every year. Yeah, it is. It's it's a familiar foe, and we've had pretty good luck with him, except for the the one the one they've, year when they've had his number since the first time. That first time yep. that he got him, and ever since then. Now, granted, both the games they got him were in Hamilton. They're on the road in this one, but they've had his number since then. He did not look great last year in the East Semi. He did not look great with Edmonton in the East Final the uh, the season before that. Trevor Harris, since that game against the Ticats in the uh, in the East Final, has kind of – he's been fine, but you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that game made him look like, oh, he's ready to ascend to yes. the elite. And since then, it's been kind of all downhill. It really has. He really tore apart that um, – who was there? Jer- uh, Jerry Glanville's defense yeah. in that game. Um, you know, he liked to play a lot of man-to-man. And I think that helped Trevor Harris quite a bit in that game. He had the the game of a lifetime. So, but but you're right. It has been kind of mediocre since then. And he looked to be, you know, one of the next really great quarterbacks in this league. And it just hasn't panned out that way. And then the other part of it is, if they beat Montreal, they go to Toronto. And Toronto has had the tie catch number this year. Their wins have been by double digits. Hamilton's win was by seven. The Argos have have walked all over them. There's no denying that. But come playoff time. The Ticats seemingly have the Argos numbers. Toronto hasn't won a playoff game against Hamilton since 2010. Now, granted, they've only played like five games, four or five playoff games since then, but Hamilton's got them each time, whether it's in Toronto or in Hamilton. Like just last year, they went in, they went into Toronto and, and beat the Argos to get to the cup. So I'm, I will look, we're going to talk probably more about the playoffs, but maybe we'll even do a little playoff preview and give some predictions next week when the, I mean, everything's set now, but let's, let's get through the regular season before we really start uh, digesting and dissecting the Mm -hmm. playoffs where I sit now, man, I, I think I can, I think I can make the argument that Ticats are going to go to the gray cup. Now, whether they win it or not, that's another story because there's a lot of good teams out West. We're going to talk about one in BC that just got better today with the announcement that Nathan Rourke is back, which makes them a dangerous, dangerous team. Uh, maybe the most mm-hmm. dangerous team in the playoffs this year. I don't know, man. I, I I'm, I think I, I think I'm going to make the leap. I think I'm going to say they're going to do it. And of course, they'll be Montreal and will look like fools. I mean, look, my prediction to start the season was Ottawa and Saskatchewan in the Great Cup, and neither of them made the playoffs. So let's not take what I say with any sort of uh, any any sort of anything other than a giant grain of salt. And I will say this: when Montreal fired Kahari Jones, I was mm-hmm. one of the first ones to say this is going to be a dumpster fire for them. And mm-hmm. you know, it hasn't been great in Montreal, but it has turned out a lot better than than I thought it would be. You know, I figured Montreal would be in the cellar of the East Division right now, and it didn't turn out that way. So I was wrong on that one. Yeah, I think that that was probably the thought that everyone had that Montreal was going to take uh, a steep decline and. They've been okay. They've they've had belts of again. They they've been no different than than Hamilton really. If you these two teams, I think, and and again, like I said, we'll get into a much more in depth discussion about this next week. But very similar seasons, ups and downs, quarterbacks in and out. Tyke didn't fire a coach, but there's there these two teams are very evenly matched. So it would not surprise me in the least. If I actually, I'm fairly certain, if I'm not mistaken, the Ticats won the game in Hamilton by seven. The Owls won a game in Montreal by seven, and the Owls won a game like a game in Montreal by one. Like you can't get much closer than that in two matchups between these teams. So it's it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a fun one in a couple of weeks when when we uh, next week when we get a chance to talk about it, and then when we get to see it. But 
now that that's out of the way before we move on though and talk about some actual news and, and discussions we're going to have we have to discuss something we were going to discuss last week but since we were forced to cancel the show we didn't get a chance to a couple weeks ago mike after the show you had a fun little interaction and uh kind of got your your butt handed to you why don't you tell everyone what happened well i played simone lawrence in uh, madden 23 uh i challenged him to a match on twitter and he accepted quite quickly and <laughs> slapped on a hundred dollar bet on top of it and I was like, <laughs> oh, all right i just wanted to play it friendly but uh, you know let, let's get serious we'll, we'll we'll throw some money on it it did not turn out very well for me josh um <laughs> i saw I, the picture buddy yeah i stuck with him in the in the first half i think I had a chance to to make the score. Uh, he would have been leading by three, and I was in the red zone right near the end of half. And then I threw an interception, and then and then it was downhill from there. But I will say, my sore my thumb was a bit sore that day, and you know the the you know the, it wasn't the right temperature in my house. So I think <laughs> you know he he got off a little easy. No, no, no. He he's just better at Madden than I am. He he blitzed me almost every single play, and I couldn't. You know, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't find the open receiver. Played man to man, you know, right up to the line, bumping me right up on the line, and it just, it was just really hard to adjust to that defense. And obviously, he's been playing football his whole life, so he knows more about the game than I would. And uh, he's just simply a better Madden player. So if you're if you're out there and you want to challenge this Simone to a match, uh, you better be pretty good. What uh, when he's on defense? What position did he tend to? You manually control a linebacker. He he was was, a linebacker and he was taking away those routes that I like to throw. He figured it out pretty quick what I was doing. And uh, a lot of slant routes. Was it a lot of slant routes? Uh, It was, um, what was it? Um, Triple bunch. There wasn't a bunch of slant routes. There was some out routes and there was some, you know, just the plays that I put. There was a lot of vertical passing like down the field. I like to hand off the ball a lot when I play Madden, um, and that didn't work out so well against him. Uh, and I just couldn't stop Lamar Jackson. I mean, you have to be, you have to spy him, and you have to. It's just a lot to handle uh, when you're playing, you know, essentially, you know, Michael Vick from 2004, yeah, you know, like the best Madden player of all time. He's up, he's close because he's got the speed, he's got the arm strength, he's a very hard player to defend. Yeah, that's the question I have for you. I noticed you picked the Philadelphia Eagles. Why not the Bills or the Chiefs? Like, I would have gone Buffalo. Everyone, I'm pretty sure if you follow me on Twitter and listen to the show, or if you listen to the show, I've said it numerous times, my love affair with Josh Allen is bordering on unhealthy. But he's he's a monster in that game. The only I, I have played some Bills in Madden 22. thing is, he does fumble a lot, which is a problem. But I'm sure in 23, he's probably much better than that. Much better. Or, or you can pick the Chiefs and, and be Patrick Mahomes and just chuck it down the field. You picked I did the Eagles. Pick what, 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 was the reason, pick- what was the reason for the Eagles? I, I always play with the Eagles because they have okay. the strongest offensive they have the strongest offensive line in Madden twenty three and their secondary. And really even good. even in virtual games you love you love offensive I line. Do. I do. <laughs> I like to have time in the pocket and I like to hand off the ball a lot too. So I, I in my defense too, I picked the team first because I thought, you know, he's a Philadelphia guy, right? I thought he oh, okay. Philly. So I picked first and then I saw him pick the Ravens and I was Try like to get into his God head. damn it. The Ravens. Ah. But it was it was a it was an experience. I can always say that I played uh, Simone Lawrence and Madden and got my ass kicked. So it's uh, it was a nice life experience. Were you guys wearing headsets and trash talking, or was it straight? Just uh, nope, nothing. I had a headset on, but he, he couldn't hear me. It was it was like muffled, and but I could hear him. He wasn't 
talking too much trash, but he was getting very excited with the plays. You know, he wasn't yeah. he wasn't trying to, you know, be mean, but he was very He wasn't rubbing it in, but he was letting you know no. who owns the crown. I I Yeah, I who's it. the man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I appreciate that. I, I I was chuckling to myself hearing this morning Lawrence trash talk. I loved it. Well, you know what? You you went at the king and you missed, but at least you can say you gave it a shot. So yeah. There's yeah, a lot of people out there that one. might that wouldn't have put their money where your mouth is, where you literally did. You lost. It happens. We all take L's sometimes, but at mm-hmm. least you got an experience, something you could tell your kids and grandkids about one day. Yes. I got my I got my tail kicked in a game of Madden by a, a Canadian Football Hall of Famer. So that that's and it. I will play him again, but I don't think I put hundred bucks on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not the best idea. Now that you know exactly, because he he was he knew he was baiting with that. He was like, I'm going to get a free hundo out of this guy. Oh yeah, yeah. no doubt about it. No it happens. Though. Hey, it happens. It happens. All right, let's oh, move okay. on to talking about some actual Ticat stuff. The CFL Player Awards. I received my ballot for the Ticats Player Awards last week. My selections needed to be made by 5 p.m. on Sunday. The full list of nominees will be announced on Wednesday, but since we are recording this on Tuesday night, as we most likely always do, we kind of won't be able to react to that. And then by the time it comes out next week, by the time we come out next week, it'll be old news. But we're, we're going to be more focused on the playoff matchup, I think, than we will be about who actually got voted in. Um, But instead, I thought that I would let you, Mike, dissect my ballot, tell me which selections you agreed with, which ones you disagreed with, uh, who you would have picked in in some of these circumstances. For clarity's sake, you get a first and second choice on your ballot. I believe the second choice is there just to break any sort of ties. So, for instance, there's five voters in Hamilton, which, side note, is ridiculously low. I don't know why they have – I know know the people who – the other people who voted – and there's so many other people that cover the Ticats that could have you like their voices should have been heard. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. to only have five people like that. Basically, if, if if two people vote for one guy and two people vote for another one, that's like it's it just feels like it's not enough. And I feel like in any sort of voting process, there should be more voices heard. And there's a number of people that have opinions and, and smart opinions on, on what this team does. I just feel like there should maybe be more getting more people involved but that's you know that, that that's a side note to this so i figured i'd just go down the categories we'll go one by one and i'll tell you who i picked you can tell me what you thought of those selections what you might have done and i'll kind of give you my reasoning for for why i went with these guys and we'll, we'll just go from there we'll have a little fun with this so i'm actually gonna start with two categories because for most outstanding rookie and most outstanding special teams player my ballot was the same i went Seth small as my first pick and lawrence wood Lawrence Woods as my second pick for rookie. I gave some consideration to Keandre Smith, but he hasn't really done a lot. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I like, I like him as a player. I think he's got a bright future in the league, but his numbers just don't match what these other guys have done. You know what I mean? Like Seth mm-hmm. small is more than likely going to be at worst, the East division all-star for kicker, maybe the kick all-star for the entire league. And Lawrence Woods, before he got hurt, was in the running for special teams player of the year. But his injury and then Seth Small coming on and being the clutch guy that he's been made me go with with those guys as as one and two in both categories. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm totally with you. Special teams player should be Seth Small. He's been tremendous since he's um, you know been the starting kicker for this team. And Lawrence Woods, I agree with as well because he, he just such – an impact player. Um, you know, the field position we get when he's returning kicks is tremendous. 
he's he's really you know laid you know he's really made a mark on this team, and I think he can help this team a lot in the playoffs too. So uh, I'm with you on both of those. Top lineman was really hard because this team's kind of cycled through so many different offensive linemen. I I this was the one where I, I made my picks and then I did the rest and I went back to it and I was just like do it and then I, I actually made a change so. I went with Brandon Revenberg with my first selection and initially I had Colin Kelly as my second selection, but I ended up changing it to David Beard, even though Beard's only played six or seven games with the team since he came over in that trade. My, my thinking is Revenberg's been there all year. He's the stalwart. He's the, he's the one guy on the offensive line that hasn't really missed any time. I think he missed one game due to a personal situation, but he's been there. He's been his normal, reliable, excellent self but the second choice was difficult because kelly's been playing two positions he wasn't great at left tackle they moved him to right tackle he's been pretty good and then you had tyrone riley who's only started five or six games that didn't seem like enough Coulter wood manzi none of the backups you're not going to vote for a backup guy to to win so it was kind of came down to beard and my thinking with beard was his insertion into the lineup and then them setting the line the way they have is what changed the offensive. Like I, I would hear an argument that Beard should get the nomination, but I think with Reffenberg being here all year, that I weighted that a little more heavily in his favor. But I don't think you could go wrong with either guy. Those were my two selections. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think if if Beard was on the team this whole year, he'd probably be that yeah. guy. But Reffenberg has been here all year, and he's been tremendous this year and in past seasons. Uh, and Kelly's been really good too, but he's taken a lot of procedure calls and mm-hmm. he's had some trouble there. Um, I, I love him being on this line, but I'm with you. I think it should be Revenberg one and then um, Beard as a as a second option because he's just both Kelly and Beard have made impacts on on this line. Don't get me wrong, but I think that David Beard is just um, you know maybe the best center in the league, so he he deserves to get his nod. Top Canini was another one that was tough for me because I don't think anyone has really been – because I, I take outstanding – like it's most outstanding player. It's most outstanding Canadian. It's not most valuable. If we're talking most valuable, we're having a different conversation. But with outstanding, I don't know if there's been a an outstanding Canadian. So this hmm. one maybe is a little more reputation-based than I would have done in previous seasons. But I went with Tunde Adelike first, and I went with Brandon Revenberg second. So – Adelike has been there the entire season. He's been, again, kind of like Revenberg with, with uh, at offensive line, just his regular, reliable, excellent play we've seen all season from him. We've seen him move from safety to halfback when he, when injuries went down. You know what I mean? There's there's just There just hasn't been – there's no receiver who's 800, 900,000 yards with this team. You know what I mean? There's no – Sean Thomas Erlington, because of that game he had on Friday – I started to debate whether I should put him in, but for the most season, he's been, he's been good, but he hasn't really, if he, if he'd been the starting tailback, he's probably the the nominee without a doubt, Mm -hmm. but because he's been in a backup role and he hasn't really done a ton, it's kind of hard to justify giving him a vote. So I ended up going with Tunde one and and Revenberg second. I, I just, again, not that there's been any, not that these guys don't deserve it is what I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but when it comes to the term outstanding, I just don't know if there's been any Canadian on this team that you would go, oh, that's that's the guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, Adelike has been closest to outstanding, if, if you want to put it that way. I think that 
Uh, he's one of the best guys in the secondary, Canadian or not. He just does, you know, he's he's uh, versatile, like you said. He can play multiple positions, and he's just he's just a demon out there. He, he makes impacts every single game. And, you know, same with Reverend. Revenberg's great. And you, you talked about Smith as maybe a rookie or uh, most outstanding Canadian. I think there's a ton of potential there with Smith. Yeah. But you're right. The, the numbers aren't, the production isn't there yet. That That's just it. So now we get to the big two, most outstanding defensive player, most outstanding player. We'll start with defensive player. And this is the one that I had the the biggest debate on my hands personally. I felt that there were three guys deserving of being the choice. Jovan Santos Knox, Cam Kelly, and Richard Leonard. I eliminated Leonard simply because I think me including him was somewhat helped by recency bias. He had three interceptions in the two games previous to, to this last one. He had the return touchdown. I do think he's probably been Hamilton's best defensive back this year uh, outside of maybe a delicate, but even then I think maybe Leonard's been the most consistently great performer for this team in the secondary this year. So I whittled my choices down to Kelly and Jovan Santos Knox. And I ultimately went with Jovan Santos Knox at one and Kem Kelly at two. I think Kelly has been underrated this season. He leads the team in interceptions. I, I, like, I don't even think you and I have been giving him his just due quite frankly, but Jovan Santos Knox has been the leader on this defense almost since day one, especially when we lost a ton of veterans. He's second in the league in tackles. He's been the linchpin of that defense when they need him most. When it came just this last week, they needed a big play late in the game. What did we get? He batted down a pass. You know what I mean? Like he's always there seems to be one play every game, especially in wins, where he makes a play that helps the team win the game. Not saying that Cam Kelly hasn't. But I just think Santos Knox has been more consistently excellent throughout the season. And it was this is really a 1A, 1B thing. Like The thing that I think hurts Kelly is he's a Sam, and that makes it really hard to put up those gaudy numbers. So unless you have – like remember when Markeith Knowlton won most of the same defensive player? He had like four fumble returns, six sacks, four interceptions. Like he kind of did it all. And Kelly hasn't really done it all. I don't – like he hasn't – like I don't look at him and go like, oh, this is his – 2010 Markeith Knowlton season, you know what I mean? So I I just think with with Jovan Santos Knox being like elevating his game, like I thought he was really good a year ago with this team. And I think we were both kind of well, I know we discussed him when he signed. Oh man, they're gonna move him to the middle. He's never really played middle before. That's interesting. He took his game to another level this year. And with all the pressure on him because he was the leader of the defense for such a long stretch, I think that warranted that this is probably the most controversial pick because I think a lot of people out there will think Cam Kelly deserves it, but I think ultimately Santos Knox is going to get the nomination. We'll find out on Wednesday. But that's that's sort of my reasoning for this. But it was it was a very difficult decision to make between those two players. Yeah, that that is a tough one. I like both of those guys, obviously, but uh, I'm just going to be different for different sakes, and I'll say Cam Kelly one, uh, yeah. Santos Knox two. Um, you know, it's funny because. I think I think we both thought maybe Cam Kelly would be the the guy out of the mm-hmm. linebacker like at the start of the season, um, and he's he's just continued to play excellently. So uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with Kelly as the nominee just to be just to be a little bit different. It'll be interesting to see what the because I'm pretty certain he's a free agent after this season. It'll be interesting to see what the team does mm-hmm. to, if if they try to bring him back because he's 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 really stepped up in that role and. Uh, it would be a shame to lose him because he he has been great. Most outstanding player. This one, to me, first choice was easy. Second choice, I actually had, I, I debated between a couple of players. One that might be a little surprised. My pick was Tim White. 
Uh, he's been, especially over the last month and a half, almost unstoppable in the receiving game. There's usually this, this huge towards quarterbacks. We don't, we don't have a quarterback that's MOP worthy this year, unfortunately, but Tim white has, has come up big in the biggest games. He had the biggest catches of the year in that game in Calgary. I don't really think that there's any other pick for, for most outstanding player for the tie cats. It's gotta be him. And then my second choice came down to Jovan Santos Knox. And Seth Small, because when we look at the term outstanding, and I'm not normally one to give kickers that much credit, but we're talking about outstanding play. How has there has there been anyone on this team, honestly? If you if you take away positions, you just ask who's been the most outstanding. Is there anyone you can argue over Seth Small? Maybe not. Mm. But ultimately no. I couldn't do it because he's a kicker. So I went with Jovan Santos Knox as my second choice. But the very fact that I gave I gave the, the debate in my mind and like looking at the numbers and watching a little bit of what they've done and just thinking back to how the season's gone. The very fact that I even gave Seth Small that consideration should tell you how well he's done this year as the team's kicker. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't ignore it. He's he's been near perfect. It's been it's been really fun to watch. But yeah, Tim Tim White's and I know that we talked about him earlier in the season. The uh, yeah, he's putting up the numbers, but. But now he's making an actual difference with those numbers on the field. He's making big-time plays, like that touchdown catch uh, in Calgary to win the game. And the, and the play before that, which was a tremendous catch on his part. That was all Tim White. I mean, Dane, White, or Dane Evans threw it up, but it wasn't exactly a perfect pass. Tim White made that happen. So um, he's really stepped up his game. I think he's fourth in the league in yards uh, receiving. Leads the league in receptions. He's league in receptions. He has eight touchdown catches. Um, and, and we predicted this at the start of the season that he would be near the top of those statistics, right? And then, and it's turned out that way. So, uh, ha- you know, my, my hat's off to Tim White for, you know, sticking through it. He didn't start out well, and uh, he just kept plugging away. And then he just keeps seems to be getting better and better as we go along here. Is there anyone else on this team that you would have considered for, for like, because like I said, I had a really hard decision on who to pick second is there can you think of anyone else that you would have considered for it to be honest not really um there hasn't been anyone that's been in that category of most outstanding um you know quarterback hasn't well we haven't had a running back that's been you know over the course of the season has been outstanding. that's just it if west hills had been doing what he's doing over the full season we might have a debate but he played four games you know what i mean like there's no other receiver. There's, it, it was coming up with a second choice was actually really difficult. And I mean, if you look at Dunbar, uh, his numbers are kind of close to Tim White's. He has 969 receiving yards, uh, six touchdowns. Um, but but his play was just too inconsistent. Yeah. For to be considered for that award. So yeah, it's Tim White or nothing really. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, so we're like I said, we're gonna get the actual th- real announcement coming out on Wednesday. Maybe next week we'll go through the divisions and see what, what who's up for the awards and division. And maybe, maybe what we'll do next week, instead of just talking about who the Ticats picked, we'll talk about uh, what, where, where they stack up in the race. Cause I'm, I'm curious to see, I, I know I, th- I get the feeling that Chandler worthy for Montreal is going to get a lot of consideration for top special teams player for a lot of reasons. I, I don't know who we're going to get from the other two teams, but I, I got to be honest with you. I, I feel like, and this is just maybe, maybe it's bias, 
But Seth Small should probably get this nomination. If he doesn't get it for the Ticats, I'll be I'll be actually surprised. Uh, and if he doesn't, then I then it'll be Lawrence Woods, and I don't think Lawrence Woods has a chance. Um, but to me, out of out of all the guys that I picked, and like if you kind of think about who could the other teams be, we'll get into it more more in depth next week. I feel like Seth Small's got the best chance on this team of winning one of those awards. I don't feel like there's been a special teams player, like a returner that has been so yeah. great that, you know, it's a shoe in or a kicker even that's been better than Seth Small. So I think it's a it's a real possibility that he, you know, walks away with that award at the end of the season. Be funny if he's most outstanding special teams player, but not top rookie. Right. He, but then yeah, again, there's, 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 there's going to be shown, right? out there who, who had better seasons, but it'll be kind of weird. It would be a little bit strange, but uh, Dalton shown he's probably going to get that award, right? Or, oh yeah, 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 yeah. For for the West for sure. I'm just talking about for the yeah. East. Oh, okay, Jones, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, if they don't already have his name etched on the trophy, they've they've wasted time. He's definitely he leads the league in receiving yards as a rookie. There's no way he doesn't win it. Yeah, precisely. All right, so we can move on now. There's not a ton of actual news to discuss this week, but there is some talking points uh, that people won't shut up about, and I. Sent off a tweet, uh, I think, I can't remember what game it was during, it was one of the games last week, and I said that I was going to talk about it on the show because I'm getting sick and tired of the complaints about backup quarterback sneaks, especially on the one-yard line, and how they're bad for the game. It reached sort of a fever pitch this week, Mike, when Caleb Evans, quarterback for the Red Blacks, backup quarterback for the Red Blacks, broke Doug Flutie's record for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback when he scored twice on one-yard plunges against the Ticats. Who cares? Like, honestly, who cares? Like, how many of these people that are talking about this, oh, it's so bad for the game, even knew that Doug Flutie had the record for rushing quarter, rushing touchdowns by a quarterback? Because my guess is none. Like, I see some tweets from guys, and I don't normally like to call people out, but I'm going to do it here. Danny Austin and Marshall Ferguson, guys like that, they're, they're, they're these – I'm trying to – Parse my words, but I'm just I'm I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble. They act like they're smarter than everybody else. They're smarter than mm-hmm. the average fan, and they hammer down on these stupid talking points that no one gives a shit about. Like no one cares. No, in 20 years time, no one's going to be like Caleb. Like who cares about rushing quarterbacks by a touch or rushing touchdowns by a quarterback? Like who? Cares? That's not a record anyone gives a shit about. It really mm-hmm. isn't. And the other thing that bothers me about this is that this isn't new. Like. I've been covering the Ticats in one form or another for over a decade. You and I have been doing this show since 2015. I began working for three down that same year. In all that time, using a backup quarterback to perform QB sneaks has always been a thing. The Ticats did it with Quentin Porter when Kevin Glenn was a starter. Jeremiah Mazzoli used to do it for Zach Caleros here in Hamilton. James Franklin, who had, had tied the record at 14 with Flutie before this past week, did it for Ricky Ray. Drew Tate had two rushing touchdowns for the Stampeders in the 2014 Grey Cup. Like the list goes on and on. This is this is not a new phenomenon. They just pop up this year. The, the guys have been doing this. Teams have been doing this forever. Ryder fans spent all year screaming about Craig Dickinson not using his backup on sneaks and instead letting Cody Fajardo do it. Like I've tried to figure out why these guys feel the need to complain about something that no one gives a damn about. And honestly, dude, the conclusion I came to is they just want something to complain about. Like that's the only explanation I can find. For why after CFL teams were doing this for all these years, that these quote-unquote geniuses, and that's the heaviest air quotes I could possibly use, are only finding fault with it now. Like, it just cements in my mind that the people who follow the CFL are the unhappiest sports fans of all sports fans out there. Like, 
we've had great football games. Like the last two weeks, the majority of these games have been awesome. Absolutely awesome. The last few weeks we've had some of the they've they've come down to the end. They've been exciting. We've had playoff races. Very maybe the most entertaining football we've seen since the pandemic. And this is what's dominating the conversation. Like, give me a goddamn break, man. Like it's it's stop to stop. No one gives a shit. Stop complaining about it. It's meaningless. No one cares. All right. So were they I'm complaining done. about uh let me were they complaining that the record got broken or just uh backup quarterbacks sneaking they in were general? Com- I've seen complaints that uh, it's bad. It's it's it lessens the entertainment value of the games because it's so. It, it you bring in a backup quarterback, and they go for the one yard plunge, and it it it's it's boring. Right. It's boring. But, but how is yard, it like, less, how is it any less boring than when than handing it off to a running back? Right. Like some, some I, I I asked like why this uh, I think it was a week ago I asked like why this was even a conversation because it it's been it's been building all year. And I tweeted out, like, why are we talking about this? And then someone's like, oh, it's because of fantasy football. And it's got fantasy implications because, oh, if you have a quarterback and the backup sneaks in or you, you put a backup quarterback on your fantasy roster because they get sneaked, it's like, that's if that's why we're talking about this, like, that's stupid. Like, that's absolutely stupid. Yeah. And and I just don't understand why. The, and these, these and I'm calling the, Austin and, and Ferguson out specifically because they're the two guys who spend the most time complaining about people complaining. Like, can't we just enjoy this for what it is? And they're the two guys kind of leading this charge. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think it was it was Danny Austin's tweet that was like, "Oh, Doug Flutie's got to be embarrassed that his record was broken by a backup quarterback." Like, who gives Doug Flutie? Oh, a, he doesn't even know he has that record. No, like like I said, who who out there? Yeah, I'm sure someone knew that Doug Flutie was the record holder for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. But the average fan, that's not a thing. Who cares? Like who It's a meaningless record. Like it's a meaningless record. Who gives a shit? It's uh I don't get I don't get all the complaining either. I mean what are they supposed to do? Like this is how they're supposed to, you know, I I will say that I find it odd that there's so many QB plunges into the end that the drives stop on the one, At the yard, one yard line. Yeah, it's pretty so nice, right? So much the CFL. I don't understand that, but I'm not doesn't like you know, piss me off or anything. It's just kind of a weird thing that happens, but you know, you can't get mad over that. I mean, that's just, you're bringing in your backup quarterback because you don't want to get your starter injured and you get the yard. Like, like they don't have to be entertaining on every single play. You need to get a first down. That's the best way to do it. That's how it happens is there's no need for people, you know, freaking out about it. This is what we've had the last two weeks. Mike Trial and Ottawa played a game that had 34, 30, in one of the highest scoring games of the season, back and forth action came down to the end. Following that was the Ticats and Stampeders game. That may be the best game of the season that we saw. That came literally came down to the last 10 seconds of the game. The next day we get Edmonton and Toronto that played a really close game. And then we got a bit of a blowout in the BC Winnipeg game, but Winnipeg kind of made it close near the end. Then we have Hamilton and, and this, it, cause it, it, came, it started happening during the Hamilton game. So it was those four games. And then we have the Ticats game which was came down right to the end. And then later that weekend, we have the the game we're going to actually talk about in a second because of how it ended. The one point Argos went over the aisle. So out of the last eight games that this league has played, we have had four games decided by a single score. Or, or Sorry, six games decided by a single score. And the only blowouts we saw were the Riders getting crushed by the Stamps and the Lions crushing the Elks. Why every... We talked all last year about the quality of play was down and we weren't like it wasn't great football. We're finally getting to that point where the football is starting to get really good. We're into playoff mode now. 
and we're spending our time discussing backup quarterbacks doing plunges from the one yard line. Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And especially from those guys that are always, like you said earlier, complaining about people complaining about the CFL. Uh, it's, you know, I, I have my issues with those guys as well, especially uh, one of them that I just think is so smug and Arrogant. Just thinks yeah. he's better than everyone else. And, and I get that you have to have an ego when you're in the media or, you know, in sports and all that stuff, but it's just, it's just too much to handle. Here's the thing. So. No, you don't. Cause like, as weird as it is to sound, I'm in sports media and I know that there's a bunch of people out there that can do my job. I'm just the one that got the break. You know what I mean? Like, it's not sure. I have skills that other people don't have. Hmm. But you can acquire these skills. I didn't. Go, I didn't go to journalism school. I'm not a. I'm not a broadcasting like. No, I, I went to university for political science and history. Right. I learned how to write because I had to write essays. Like it's not. I'm not saying the job is easy. It's not easy. There are difficult parts to it. But you don't have to be a smug prick to do this job. Now I act right. like a smug prick sometimes. <laughs> and I. And, but but I, and I'm and I, if I take heat for it, I'm I understand that. But. You don't have to act like you know more than everybody right. else. Or We're watching the same games that you are, man. Like, absolutely. You know what I mean? That you might have more information on the inside. Like, you might be getting information from the teams or something like that. But, you know, you're not a, you're not, you haven't played football your whole life. You're not a professional, former professional. We're watching the same games that you are. So I just don't understand the, even like the way. I don't want to get into it too much. No, get into it. Talk, Let's do it. We're, we're letting all right. it all out. We're letting it all, all right. out. I don't like the way that he talks to his fellow media members. Like he's some above everyone else too. Like even, you know, he, he talked to people that I don't really like or have a lot of respect for, but just the way he's like the way he tweets at people like sit down son and all this, like just shut up. Like you're so annoying and smug. It's, it's just sickening to me. All right. So now that I have that off my chest and you have that off your chest, we're going to get into something that sticks in your craw. Maybe the thing that sticks in your crowd the most about this game. Mike, we're going to talk about the Rouge. So the Toronto Argonauts clinched first place in the East with a win over the Montreal Alouettes after Boris Beattie missed a 47-yard field goal and Alouettes returner Chandler Worthy caught the ball out of bounds to win the game by one point. The Argos won 24-23. Mike, you have made your stance on the Rouge well known, but I think we can fix this problem to a degree that even I think you will be okay with. So are you ready to fix the Rouge with me? Because I have a plan. You ready to hear my plan? All right, let's hear it. Here it is. It's pretty simple. The ball is not returnable. You don't get a point. It's that simple. One of the things we hear from proponents of the single point is that you aren't rewarding failure by, by the kicking team, but you're punishing the return team for their inability to get the ball out of their own end zone. In my opinion, that falls apart a little bit because of the rule that states if a kickoff goes out of the back of the end zone without being touched, no Rouge is rewarded. So why not take that to the logical conclusion, the furthest logical conclusion, and state that any kick that goes out of bounds in the end zone that's, that hasn't been touched by the, by the returning team simply does not result in a single point being awarded. That way, the spirit of the rule is kept. You know, you're propping up that rule. You're punishing the returning team for their inability to get the ball out of their own end zone. But the actual rule, you know what I mean? Like, in you're no longer simply rewarding, I guess— for the yeah, kicking yeah. team for, for a failure to make a field goal or for a punt that goes out of the back of the end zone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the team has to be able to return the ball. And, and I've seen some people say, Oh, if, if, if it hits in the end zone and rolls out, it doesn't count. No, the routine, the return team has to touch the ball in the field of play 
in the end zone for a sing. If they don't get it out, then you reward the point. Show me the flaw with this change. Show me why anyone should be angry about this. Other than people who maybe like yourself, who just want to see it gone altogether. But if, if it's going to stay, how is this not the most logical, easiest to take care of mm-hmm. I- implementation of this rule? Well, I can get behind that. I really can. I just, I just don't like missing a field goal and then you win the game. And this would take that away, right? And the, the way that it ended, it was just so anticlimactic. It was such yeah. a good game. And it's just like, and what if, you know, they got some new fans in the stadium. They don't know about, like, what the hell just happened there? I was confused. I've been watching the league for my whole life. Like, and, and TSN did a terrible job not explaining it. I didn't even see, uh, you know, a replay of him stepping on the line. Like, I, I was no like, can- did he step on I have the not line? T- like, I have not seen the camera angle where he stepped out. And I agree with you. TSN did a horseshit job of explain. Like, they, it, it's insane to me because every other football league, and by that, I mean the NCAA and the NFL. If something like this had happened, because it, it was chaos, because there was a penalty on the play. The Alouettes had too many men on the field. He, did he step out of bounds? Like, all of that happened. And TSN's like, they decline the penalty. They win by one. We're off to – and it's like, you, yeah. you, you can't spend what? two minutes telling it the viewers, like, what the hell just happened? Like, you can't have chaos like that and then just go, oh, this is it. Because here's – like you said, new people. People in the stands. People watching on TV. Maybe someone's clicking around in the middle of the in I guess that was a was that an evening game? Yeah, I think it was an evening game. They're clicking around looking for something. Oh, we stumble upon. Oh, this game's close. I like football. I'll watch the end of it. And then something happens. They're like, I don't understand what they the hell just happened. Missed a field goal and they win. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like it's TSN has a ha, needs to. Wear, I know that later on they explained it during the during the second game, like in the pre. Like I guess there was a bit of time between the end of the Argos Owls game and the start of the Stamps Riders games, and they explained it there but that's too late for me like you have to explain that in the moment and they they didn't they dropped the ball there but if we implement my rule change it wouldn't have mattered anyway because it wouldn't have counted a single point now there was a too many men penalty so the argos would have got a chance to kick the field goal again and maybe they would have made it and that's well and fine but at least that's it doesn't like yeah. this yeah because i was i was like i was wondering why don't like they win like aren't they gonna move up the ball and do it again like it was just very confusing, and I just think it makes the league look bad when there's silly endings like this. Like some people like say they love it, and you know that's fine if you do, but like endings like this are bad for the game. Like the the Toronto Montreal ending from years and years ago, where they putting the ball back and forth, back and forth, it just looks stupid. It's it's not cool. So if they, if they're not going to get rid of it, then I would be I would gladly get behind your idea because this is just nonsense. It's not rewarding a team for their field position um the reward for field position should be kicking the field goal and if you yep. miss the field goal then you shouldn't get any fucking points like yep. it's just so um and, and there was a lot of people that went after because i tweeted about that from the podsky account and uh everyone was like well not everyone but some people were like oh next thing you're gonna want to take away the motion and no i just want to that's the only rule that i don't like like this idea that i'm somehow wanting to it to be more American, like the American game is not true. I love pretty much all the rules in the CFL, except just that one. Everyone's so sensitive about the Rouge. I don't understand it. It's the least to me. And maybe we're in the minority here. It's the least important differentiation between the Canadian game and the American game. In my opinion, like it's the one that if it went away would be the least impactful, I think 
on the way the game is played. 12 men, 110-yard field, uh, the motion, three downs. Like, those are, to me, mm-hmm. fundamental to the Canadian game. Yep. The Rouge, and even – I think people just like it because it's called a Rouge. If they if they, they just refer to it as a single point, I don't think people would be that up in arms about it because it's, it's oh, it's a Rouge. It's French. That's Canadian-ish. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. And I saw I, I saw your tweet, and I saw some responses to your tweet, and so I saw – I don't know who it was, but someone said, oh, you what, you're going to get rid of – uh, missed field goal return touchdowns, and that's BS. There's been missed field goal return touchdowns in the NFL. One of the most famous plays in the last decade in college football was the kick six. Alabama Auburn in the Iron Bowl in 2013. Chris Davis, uh, the the uh, the Crimson Tide kick a field goal. He misses it, comes up short. Chris Davis from Auburn re- takes it at the back of the end zone and returns it for a touchdown. It right. was everyone in the states went nuts over this. This is wild. How? Nick Saban's after the game's like, I didn't even know you could do that. Nick Saban's one of the greatest coaches in football history, and he's like, I didn't even know that was a that was a thing. I mean, you're still you, gonna you're you still gonna get them you're still gonna get them up here, even if you don't reward, even if you because here's the thing, like I said, with this rule, with my rule, if you if you catch the ball at, at ten yards deep in the end zone, you still got to get it out of the bloody thing. You can give up mm-hmm. the point by taking the knee, or you can try to run it back. The idea that that if you remove the aspect of if you just boot it out of the back of the end zone, you don't get a point. Well, it, that's simply not true. That is simply not true. No. You don't think that speedy returners would take the opportunity to get seven points against you know a field goal unit that has a bunch of big dudes out there blocking. Like you don't think they're because the rouge is not there anymore. You don't think that returners aren't are going to take it out of the end zone anymore. Like it just doesn't make any sense. The opportunity is still there. To get seven points. So, of course, they'd still do it. Yeah. We're literally removing the the simple failure aspect of the kick, which mm-hmm. is kick it as hard and as far as you can, because if it goes out of the end zone, it's a point. We're taking that away and saying, if you need this point, you also have to earn it and earn it. And by the kicking team having to earn it, it is by being good in your kick coverage and making sure they don't get it out of the end zone in the same way that we're rewarding or we're, we're punishing the return team for if you don't get out of the end zone, you give up a point. I, I, again, outside of abolishing the rule completely, which I do not think will happen. Me I don't either. see, no. I don't see that how this is not the most logical, easiest, fairest change to make to get rid of the, what we saw on Saturday night. I, I'm totally behind you. And you know, it, another thing is, it would take away the confusion uh, from return guys. Like we might have had confusion about the the rouge in the Grey Cup game last in the Grey year Cup. when yep. we gave up that single point. Like there yep. might have been confusion there in, in play. Like get rid of that, and we wouldn't have that anymore. Yep, I I completely agree. Okay, <sighs> so now that we've gotten our our stuff off our chest, we do have one piece of CFL news to discuss, and that is the big news out of BC, where on Tuesday. Nathan Rourke was back on the field practicing with the Lions, nine weeks removed from surgery to repair a Liz Frank injury in his foot. He is going to start for the Lions this week in their season finale. He's probably only going to play about a quarter. If Rourke is fully healthy, does this, to you, and we'll we'll get into playoff stuff next week, but just in discussing the Lions' work, does this make the West a little more wide open, and do you now think the BC Lions have a legitimate chance to get to and possibly win the Grey Cup? Uh, yes and yes. I think that this makes the playoffs in the West so much more interesting. If Rourke is the guy that he was early in the season, then I don't see why he wouldn't be. You know, obviously, 
he's coming back pretty quick from that injury. And, you know, some people might even say that you wouldn't, you shouldn't even bother. This is just the CFL. Don't even bother. Just wait for your NFL trial. But I like the mindset of him, you know, trying to get back on the field. I like the mindset that, hey, yes, it's a CFL, but this is still important to me. So I'm pumped that he might be back. Uh, and I think that the the Lions have a legit shot of getting to the Grey Cup and possibly winning it now. Um, you know, both, all three teams in the West are, are good teams. But now with, with, with Nathan Rourke back in the picture, BC becomes a great team, perhaps, along with Winnipeg. So a BC... Winnipeg Western final would be uh, a joy to watch in my opinion. And it just makes everything more exciting in the playoffs. Works injury for me did sort of diminish the entertainment factor because he was putting up like video game numbers to mm-hmm. start the season. Like he just recently, I think got passed for touchdown passes like Claro's passed him a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And he's been out since the end of August. Like there's, there's been a void with he made BC for someone like me who has to stay up until 10, 10 30 at night on a Friday or Saturday to watch them like appointment viewing. Like I wasn't going to miss a lions game. Like I missed the first one against Edmonton. Cause I was like, my friends were like, Oh, do you want to play video games? tonight?" I was like, yeah, it's only the lions and the, and the elks. Like I, I, and I wasn't expecting much out of work to start the season. So I was like, right. eh, yeah, I'm fine. And then it's like, I, I, I had Twitter on my iPad and I keep going. And it's like, he scored another touchdown. Worked through a touchdown. He ran for two. He threw another one. Like, okay, hold on. I'm going to put this on when we play because I want to. Like, what's this guy doing? And he's out there tearing it up. And I think his injury, like, kind of, like Vernon Adams is fun. Don't get me wrong. Maybe one of the most fun players in the league to watch. But there's, he, he's fun because he's there's 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 a chaos to his game. And I like chaos. I'm Fair like, enough. I don't think he's a great player. I don't. I like. I think that that ship has sailed. But he does enough where you're just like. I think Jesus he used Christ. his legs more. I think he could yeah. be more successful in this league. Like, why does everyone have to be a pocket passer? Yeah, like, I don't get it either. The CFL doesn't have these running quarterbacks anymore. Like, use your legs. Like we see with Cornelius, he's not even that fast. He's not even that great of an athlete. And he's running all over the place. I think that Vernon Adams would be a much better, much more productive quarterback if he ran more often. You're probably but right. But but Rourke, Rourke even elevates it to the height. Like what we saw him right. do at the quarterback position this year, he, if he stayed healthy, he's MOP. He's most outstanding Canadian. And the lions might have given Winnipeg a run for first place in the division. Like that's how good he was playing when he got hurt. So getting him back, I think it opens up the West. I, I think it makes for a much more interesting. I think BC could have been competitive with, with Vernon if Rourke didn't come back, but getting Rourke back. And if he's fully healthy or healthy as enough as he can be to play, I think it makes the Lions just that much more interesting and that much more of a threat. So yeah. the West, the West is going to be an issue. The West always tends to, because they usually have the better teams. There's always like, mm-hmm. man, look at these three teams. Like only one of them's going to come out. This is going to be great. And last year we did get a couple of great West games in the playoffs. I, I think, I, I think we're staring down a BC Winnipeg West final. And I, I might look forward to that more than I'm looking forward to whoever makes it out of the East, unless it's the Ticats there, of course. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to say, I, you know, it obviously helps on the field with BC, but I think that that playoff game, that semifinal game, if Rourke is the guy starting, I think they're going to sell a lot more tickets, too. They could. I think that he's a draw. He, I think he's a draw at home, and I think he's a draw on the road. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a sellout of that lower bowl in BC if uh, if Nathan Rourke is a starting quarterback, and it looks like it's trending that way. So I, I'm pretty happy about that. 
which is good. But you want to see those those yeah. markets that are struggling. Like BC's attendance has been okay. Like I, last mm. week, I had to do a. I had, I wanted to look up attendance because the Ticat sold out that game. Which we I don't did we talk about that at all? The fact that maybe we did on the post game show. The fact we that did, this. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that a team like that sold out a game, like give it, it just tells me that Hamilton's a sports city, and obviously, seven thousand plus went to the Ford game two days later, one of the highest attended games they've had in franchise history. Like Hamilton's a sports city anyway. I think you you get him there. I I think he he is attracting eyeballs, and I think I also think it helps that they're winning. You know what I mean? Like Michael Riley was a great quarterback. If BC was winning when he was a starter, they probably would have have done well in tickets, but. The Lions have done they, – they had the massive game the first week, and it, it's trended down since then. But they've had some, they've had some pretty decent – they've had over 20,000 at a couple of games this year. So I think for a playoff game and what should be a pretty good playoff game, especially with BC and Calgary, like that's going to be a fun matchup. I, I do hope that they uh, they, they get a, a, a – like you said, sell out that lower bowl would be really nice to see. Okay, so before we canceled last week's show due to a scheduling conflict that we just – you and I just couldn't get on the same schedule, it seemed – we had decided to take some listener questions. I didn't want those. You didn't want those to go to waste. So because our listeners are amongst the smartest in the CFL and always bring great questions, we're going to do those questions this week. So Mike, uh, you got them ready and fire away. Let's see what they got. All right. Let's take a look here. See. Aha. Mailbag. All right. Let's see what we got here. Uh, from Corey Allen, who is a free agent wide receiver you'd target this off season? And also does this pineapple? We'll go on pizza. Uh, I'll answer the second one first. I don't care what you put on your pizza. I don't like pineapple on my pizza, but if you want to eat pineapple on pizza, go ahead. Um, yeah, donuts. Yeah, it's I. Th- the food debates. I, I that's another thing. Like, like I know it's all in good fun, but it's like, and I kind of got into it because uh, on a one of my post game pieces for the Thai Cats, I decided to rank Halloween candy, and it's it's fun time killer. But like, man, the way people get vitriolic about. Pineapple on pizza, like I, I don't care. Who cares? Yeah, I don't care. Like I, I'm a pretty picky eater, so you know whatever. But I don't care what other people eat. Go, go nuts. No. Go nuts. That's just it. If some, if I like something that someone else doesn't like, I love Brussels sprouts, and I go, I know tons of people hate Brussels sprouts. Well, that just means more Brussels sprouts for me. Mm. As for a free agent receiver, I'd have to look up the free agents to be honest with you. I, yeah. You know, we we uh, kind of just uh, went head first into these questions. We haven't looked at them in like two <laughs> weeks. So I know. Um, I know. I'm. Off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure Brian Burnham, Greg Ellingson, Kenny Lawler, uh, Gino Lewis. The Gino Lewis right there. That's my answer. The guy is like the best. He's the best. Yeah, he's like, awesome. You watch him. He's the best receiver in the league. Right yeah. Now. Like the thing is, like, I don't expect Burnham to leave BC unless they don't want. Like I, Burnham doesn't leave BC similar to the way Speedy B doesn't leave Hamilton unless the team's like, we're not bringing you back. Right. Is he I, playing right now? No, he's still, which again, that could lead to the team moving on from him. Cause they have, they, uh, who do they have in that receiving core now? They have lucky whitehead. Who's also hurt, but they have that Keon hacker. They have Javon Katoy. And I feel like I'm forgetting one other receiver they have. And it, it's going to bug me, but they have a really good receiving core without those guys. But so it, there's a possibility. Burnham is, is playing somewhere else. Ellingson's kind of like a hired gun and like, he's missed most of the season with Winnipeg. So, and that was always his bugaboo here in Hamilton is when he was here right. for his first two seasons, he couldn't stay healthy. And then but. he goes to Ottawa and then he, he does stay healthy. And then Dalton Schoen's kind of surpassed him on that team. So 
Ellingson's probably going to be a free agent. I wouldn't mind him because he he would provide for this team what they don't have, and that's a guy to go in the middle of the field and make clutch catches. Something they've been lacking since Luke Tasker left. Um, who else did I say? Kenny Lawler, I don't see leaving Edmonton uh, just because no one's going to give him $300,000 other than Edmonton, so I don't see that. Yeah. And Gino Lewis is, is also my pick. I just don't know if he's going to leave Montreal. You know what I mean? Like, he has it so good there. He's beloved. Like, he's he's the new SJ Green. And, I mean, yeah. he made that catch, made that touchdown catch, so it's very SJ Green-like in the last game. I mean, if if he hits the market, I think there's a possibility. But, yeah, those are the four guys off the top of my head. Like, I don't think there's anyone from Calgary. There's no one really from Saskatchewan. Like, it hasn't really been a big receiver year for, for especially veteran guys. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we have Tim White, who's in the second year, who stepped up, who they're probably going to have to pay after this season. Dalton Schoen's on his rookie contract. So he, he's junior. Has been tremendous. Yeah, he's not, but I don't think he's going to leave. I think he actually might have signed an extension with them already. There's There's been a lot of guys that, a lot of the veteran guys that are probably going to be available are either getting old and, and injured or going to want too much money. So, I, again, yeah, I'm with you. Gino Lewis is my pick. I just don't see him leaving Montreal. Do you see him getting an NFL shot at all? I don't, he, well, like, I don't know how I old think, he is. I think he's too old. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I think a lot of these, like, he's been up here. Well, you know, I'm going to look him up while we do this. So he, he's, 20, he's, he's 29. Okay. He's he's been with Montreal since 2017, so he's been up here a while. Hit, yeah, hit, 29's hit, a little bit uh, long. This would be if, this would be his last opportunity for an NFL shot, but I just don't think I don't think he's his game is suited for the NFL. You know, and that's not a shot at him, but like some guys are just suited for the CFL. You know what I mean? Like the way he plays, like I think he uses the waggle to to best effect you could do. And he's, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. He went to Penn state in Oklahoma. Like he didn't go to no name colleges. He's not some unknown player. He's a guy that went to some big name schools. Didn't really get any NFL opportunities then. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see him going to the NFL, but I wouldn't mind seeing uh, him in black. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy, you, you, we knew he was a really good receiver the last couple of years, but I, I, to me like this season, he's just, he might elevated. be the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Jim Martin, 1999, first seed in the East, result, lost Grey Cup badly. 2021, second seed in the East, result, lost Grey Cup and OT. 2022, third seed in the East, result, third time's a charm. What say you? Personally, I'm all aboard the Ticats Grey Cup pipe trade. We kind of talked about that earlier. We're 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 slowly getting there. We'll we'll I think we'll unveil where we are on the uh, on the bandwagon and the hype train come next week, but. I'm I'm inching closer and closer towards saying they're at least getting to the cup. Uh, another one from Jimmy Boy. In the unlikely chance that we don't win the Grey Cup this season, what's the most pressing change you would make to the team this offseason? I still think it's get a receiver. Get yep. a, maybe not a number one receiver now, because I think Tim White can fill that void, but get yourself a reliable guy that on second and six will pick you up seven or eight yards and keep the, get yourself a Luke Tasker, get yourself an Andy Fantuz. And I know that's easier said than done because those guys don't grow on trees. But get yourself a receiver like that that you know yes. each and every game we need this first down. The quarterback mm-hmm. who will be Dane Evans. I, I don't think this team's going to make a move at quarterback this offseason. I know people are talking, and we even ourselves talked about Bo coming here and what the domino effects that his free agency will will bring about. I think the team's going to stick with Dane, even though he hasn't played great the last few weeks. I think he's 
I think he has if, if given give him enough weapons, and I think that they can he he can be perfectly serviceable as a as a championship caliber quarterback. But yeah, I still I still think it's receiver because I don't think they need offensive line help. I don't think they need defensive line help. I think their secondary and their linebackers are good. Running back doesn't seem to matter. Plug whoever the hell you want in there. There's not again for a team odd odd enough for a team that, that has the record they have. You have to kind of look at how the teams progressed over the season, and now that they have the pieces in place in some of the places that we thought that they were lacking: kicker, punter, offensive line. The teams won four or five. So if this is the same team, a similar team that they go in to next year with, I, I don't really think that there's uh, I I don't, I don't really think there's there's a there's a bunch of changes that are needed to the player now. Do they make changes to the coaching staff? That that might be the most likely place that they they make some changes. But if they win the cup, I, and Tommy Condell and, and Mark Washington and everyone comes back, I don't think anyone's going to complain because they won the cup. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. There's not there's not as weird as it is to say, but a team that's seven and ten, there's not a ton yeah, of holes in the roster. I forgot the question there for a second. Oh, <laughs> the, but you're right. Um, I would get a, a veteran wide receiver and maybe. Uh, a pass rusher for you know. Oh, that that's a good line. point. Yeah, going and getting it someone to opposite Hauser. That is actually a really good. That probably. Yeah. You know what? I'd probably do that over receiver because I think you could develop someone. Find it. Find a rookie to be that receiver. Like find a young guy to be that receiver. Yeah, you know what? I like your answer better. I, I I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm all right. No receiver. Go get a pass rusher. From Tiger Sammy, start one, sit one, trade one. Geno Lewis, Dalton Schoen, Dominic Rhymes. Start one, sit one, trade one. Okay. Well, I'm starting. I'm starting Lewis. I'm sitting Shown, and I'm trading Rhymes. I think that's yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think that Dominic Rhymes is, especially when Rourke was. Oh, in that's there. The, I mean, that's he, the, is that the did I I didn't mention him? Did I mention him in the BC receiver? I think that's the guy I forgot. Yeah, that's probably you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. Dominic and Rhymes. I think he's yeah. a really good receiver, but he's not in the league of the other two. No, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that he showed a lot of good things uh, paired up with Rourke. But uh, if I had to choose that, yeah, I'd, I'd be starting Lewis. I think he's if not the best one of the best in the league and Dalton Schoen is is a rookie and is doing great things and, let's and see what the, he does in year two before we start anointing him in the class of elite receivers because we've seen a lot of guys yeah. in this league come in and have great first years and then completely disappear so let me let, let's let's see what his encore performance brings and then we'll start having the conversation if he's in the if he's in a Geno Lewis type class from our buddy Adam Stalker still believe Tim White isn't a number one receiver how many number one receivers are in the CFL by my count six Ooh, I mean, I'm I'm less I'm I'm leaning less to I'm leaning more towards him being a number one receiver now than I would have been a month ago. But yeah, if you think of number one receivers, it's it's Gino. It's does Ottawa have one? I don't think they do. I can't think of a who. No, I don't think Ottawa has a number one receiver. Uh-huh. Toronto. I love Curly Gittens. I re- like he's maybe one of my fa- top five players. I think he can players. be eventually a uh, number one receiver. But I I don't think he's a number one. I don't think Devaris Daniels is a number one. Speedy's no. obviously not a number one anymore. Maybe you put Tim White in that category. Obviously, I guess the Red Blacks have Acklin and uh, oh Darwin yeah, because he hasn't. You know what? It is okay. So we got Acklin, we got Gino, Saskatchewan. Keen Schaefer, Schaefer Baker is their best receiver, but I don't think he's a number one. So no one in Saskatchewan shown in uh, in Winnipeg. I like even though the last question I said we got to temper expectations there. 
Uh, Edmonton has Kenny Lawler. I think even with the he's the number one guy. They also have that Dylan Mitchell kid who who yeah, really they just up. resigned today too. Yeah, so good stuff. He's really good. I like him a lot. Um, BC, BC has Lucky. Uh, BC has yeah. Dominic Rhymes. So BC might have two of those guys. Actually. And, and Burnham. Burnham. Burnham yeah. Burnham's on the tail end of his career, so I like. Yeah. I, I still think he's a great player, but he's he's on the lower end there. Yeah, I mean. Calgary. Calgary. Do they have a number? Yeah, Malik Henry. Malik Henry's really damn good. So Cal- Yeah. So yeah. I mean. Tim White, I don't know if I'd put him up there with some of those guys, but yeah, when you look, when that's a really good point by Adam there. When you really look at it, there's not a exactly a plethora of like go to no doubt number one guys. So, huh? Maybe we are lucky to have Tim White after all. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Tim White has turned into a number one receiver over the course of the year, and I think that at this point. I mean, he's, he is our number one receiver at this point. So, um, and it's hard to argue with the numbers. Like I know that it's been back heavy, but he's been doing it now for like eight weeks. And like you said, he's like fifth or sixth in the league in receiving yards. He leads the league in catches. He's got eight touchdowns. Like at some point we have to just, maybe he's never going to be Earl Winfield. He's never going to be Darren Flutie, but you don't have to be that. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to be Brandon Banks to be the number one receiver on a team. Maybe we need to, instead of thinking, like, oh, he should be the next G-Roy Simon or Milt Stiegel, maybe we should just, hey, maybe he can be the next, uh, I don't know, who's it, uh, Arlan Bruce. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. again, maybe even, even that might be too high. Like, given, you know, But you know what I mean? Like, we don't have to look at him as one of the all-time greats, but maybe he just can just be really good for, for his time. But, I mean, I, I think our criticism of him to start the season was fair, though. Like, he was not playing well at the beginning no. of the season. But he has... He has definitely turned it on at the tail end of the season, and I have to give him credit for that. Uh, from Jimmy V, this question is uh, out of date. What? Who do you guys think our playoff opponent will be? Uh, wow. We know the answer to that. Montreal. There you we go, do. Jimmy. Thanks yeah. for okay, the question, so, though, You know Jimmy. what? I'll flip that question. At, who would you have preferred to get in the first round, Montreal or Toronto? That's a tough one. I think Montreal just because uh, if we get past them, will be it'll basically be a home game in the eastern final okay. so you know you you save that for the more important game and i know you don't get there if you don't win the first one but i, I just think that you take montreal first and then uh beat toronto at home and make it extra sweet okay all right i will see I, w- I was gonna go the opposite way get the argos game out of the way first because that's the more difficult of the two in my opinion and then you go into Montreal against a team like like we talked about the a one point margin of victory in the three games between the two separates them. So, but I I don't dislike your answer of dispatch the Owls first and then go have a home game in a in an away stadium. That's actually a really good point too. Uh, from Adam again, this is an interesting question. Now obviously it's outdated now, but we can answer it. Will Friday be Simone's last home game? No. He's back next year. I do. I do. I, I think there's the possibility he's not, but I think I, I he's not old. The, the, the injury concern this year is, is real. Like that's part of the aging process, but we saw this team bring back Chris Van Zyl and I know it's Canadian, so it's different, but he's missed a ton of games the last two years. It's not, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he's not in Hamilton next year, but I do think he will be back. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think that Simone has a couple more years left in him, and I'm hoping they're with the Tiger Cats because, you know, he that's just who he is. He is a Tiger Cat. This is the team that he should retire with, and 
Um, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but I hope it's the case with Simone. I also think that with the Grey Cup being here next year, and while I do think that hosting the Grey Cup has taken on, like we, we've seen with the Riders this year, it's like, oh man, they they missed the playoffs and with the year they're hosting the Grey Cup. I, I think we've mythologized the idea of teams going all in to win at home more than it's actually true. I do think, however, especially if they don't win it this year, which is as much as we might hop on the on the on the hype train as as Jim said, it's more likely than not that they don't win the championship this year because they haven't they're not a championship caliber team from what we've seen so far. I do think that that next year was always sort of the plan of like this is the goal. Let's we got we got it in 2021. We're going to get it again in 2023. We're going to build a team because all those guys that they resigned in the offseason, with the exception of Simone, I might add, all signed multi year deals. They all signed two year deals. So I feel like 2023 was sort of the the end goal year of like okay let's see what this group can do we're going to give them till that year and then from there we're going to then we're, then if they have to reload rebuild cast off some veterans they'll do it then and i think simone surprisingly doesn't make a ton of money has taken pay cuts the last couple of years to come back to hamilton i've been told so i i feel like the team can build up a bunch around like this is what we're going to do and then go to him and be like this is what we can offer you and he loves this city he genuinely like you see it a lot in guys but i don't think that they're now granted if someone comes along and offers him twice as much money he's going to go and i wouldn't blame him i just don't i just don't it, I, I know he played edmonton to start his career but i just can't see him in any other uniform and i just don't think he would i i feel as if he if he's going to play football next year and i do think he will i think it will be in a tie cat uniform yeah, I agree. I did, you know, he played for Edmonton for a very short period of time, and he was never a starter there, I don't believe. So I don't think there, there's any attachment to any other CFL franchise in this league. If if there's a, you know, I I, I do think he will be back with Hamilton, and uh, I don't think it's you know, I don't make, think it's a crazy thing to consider though. I don't think it's crazy. No, no. I mean, everyone. Wayne Gretzky played for different teams, you know, even Michael Jordan played for the Wizards and LeBron's played for many teams, you know, the greats, it, it happens. So Tom Brady, um, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, on and on and on and on. Yep. So uh, guys who franchise go somewhere else sometimes. Yeah. Brandon Banks. I mean, yep. you thought that he'd be Tiger Cap forever and you know, stuff happens. So Chad Owens, do, do, Chad you, Owens. Think any, do you think anyone, any Argos fans ever thought that see Chad Owens in a Ticats uniform? Nope. No way. Well, that's the thing, right? That happens a lot with the Toronto Hamilton. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They're so close, right? So if you're not going to get re-signed by one team and the the team down the QEW wants you, you, you're more than likely to sign with them because it's such a close distance. But uh, sure. I think that Simone will be with the team the next couple of years and and maybe he retires with somebody else, but uh, I'm hoping that it's with Hamilton. And that's, that's it for the Twitter questions, Josh. All right, cool. All right, so moving on. All the hoopla, Mike. In Hamilton right now is around the team's playoff matchup with the Alouettes in two weeks. But the Ticats still have one last regular season game to play, and it comes this Saturday in Ottawa against the Red Blacks. With absolutely nothing to play for, I think I could see this game, and I'm, I'm sure you probably agree, acting as a little bit of a glorified preseason game. The interesting thing, though, is I will be in attendance in Ottawa on Saturday because I am taking a weekend trip to Ottawa with my crew of friends to see this game. And then we're going to go watch Forge FC play for the North Star Shield and the Canadian Premier League Championship game on Sunday against Athletico Ottawa. So I'm hoping for a Hamilton sweep here. Went on Saturday in football, went on Sunday in soccer. Uh, in any event, regardless of my personal uh, attachment to going to this game, what do you hope or expect to see from this 
and I don't like using this word, but it's an essentially meaningless game between these two teams. The Red Blacks are out. The Ticats are in. I think Ottawa's going like, to... I, I just feel like this is we're going to see a lot of backup players in this game. What about you? Yeah, I have the same assumption. Uh, you know, it's impossible to start all your backups, but I think that, you know, the ones that are deemed your star players, for the most part, will take a seat. So it will basically be a glorified preseason game, which... I think will be all the games in week 21 in the CFL. I don't think there's any meaning, meaningful games left. So uh, this is going to be part for the course for this week. It's, you know, I'll watch and uh, I'll be interested to see the outcome. I'd like for the team to get another win and be eight and 10. But, but other than that, it's not, uh, not that interesting of a game. Yeah. It's like Orlando Steinhauer said earlier today on Tuesday, Dane Evans is going to play. How long he plays, he didn't say. Didn't even say if he'll start, but he said he will see some action. So I guess that injury that he suffered uh, in the, what was it, fourth quarter of the, yeah, it was, it was fourth quarter of the game on Friday, I guess isn't as serious as it could have been, which is great news because I think this team has rallied around Dane at the tail end of the season. I think even if he hasn't played his best football, he's done enough good stuff. And I, I think he's just more of a, I think teams fear him in the passing game defensively more than they would Matthew Schiltz. I, I think, again, I, I think Schultz is a capable player, but I just think they they fight they 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 fear Dane a little bit more with what he could do with, especially throwing the ball down the field. But I think we're going to see a lot of backups in this game. Like I I think a number of like key starters are are, are going to sit out. Uh, I saw in the injury report today, Micah Johnson didn't practice. I wouldn't be surprised if they they don't start him. Mm-hmm. They have a ton of like American defensive linemen that they could rotate in there. Like I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like guys like Jovan Santos Knox doesn't play anyone who's kind of like nursing an injury a little bit, like maybe is playing through something. I think we could see sit. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Simone could sit, but I could also see him playing cause he's been off for so long that he kind of wants to knock more of the rust off, so to speak. Um, but I think we're going to see a rotation at quarterback. You know what I mean? I, I just feel as if this, because the game doesn't mean anything, whether they finish eight, 10 or seven, 11, like, yeah, I guess in the, Pardon me. Grand scheme of things, it's like, oh, you know, oh, eight and ten looks better than seven eleven, but who really cares? Like, you're in the playoffs, you're the three seed, doesn't matter. So, yeah, I just, I just, I'm not expecting this to be a great game. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't if 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 the Ford game wasn't in Ottawa on Sunday, I probably wouldn't be going to this one. But since they're both there, like, why not do both? You know what right. I mean? Because yeah. I, I, I don't expect this to be much of a much of a fun a fun game like no it could, be, ex- it could I, be pretty ugly and kind of boring for being honest yeah and i expect ottawa to play a lot of backups as well i think uh guys fight for jobs for next year right the backup quarterbacks getting the start for them yeah i i just think it'll be a lot of backups you know seeing what they have in them and uh yeah it's, it's not going to be a, a pretty affair but uh we'll just get through this game with the as you know, not a lot of injuries or any injuries would be great. And uh, we can move forward into the playoffs because this is just, you know, if it was up to me, we could just scrap all these games and then just get ready for the playoffs next. Not this weekend, but the next one. That's the only thing I care about from this game is coming out as healthy as possible. Let's mm-hmm. no new injuries, no major injuries, no guys who we are going to rely on in the playoffs, get hurt, just escape the game as healthy as possible. The final score, if the a game ends, nothing, nothing. And it's the worst game in the history of football, but everyone comes out healthy. Then that's all I care about, because the like I said, the the score is meaningless. It's 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 window dressing for what really matters, which is coming in two weeks time, which is the playoffs that start. Which, man, 
how many times this year did we say this team's done? And here we are on the, as almost in November and they're actually going to be playing playoff football. I, if you would have told me that after that 0-4 start in July, hell, if you would have told me that after Labor Day, I said, you're out of your mind. And here we are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this team has looked really bad, really bad at times. And I didn't think we we're a playoff team. We managed to, you know, four and one in the last five games. We might end up five and one in this last stretch, which is obviously what was very important. And thank you to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for completely falling apart uh, down the last half of the season. I mean, I think they've lost six in a row. That was a big, uh, a big they've deal lost, for the Tiger Cats. Yeah, I think they've lost six in a row and ten of their last twelve. Yeah, so they're. Their, uh, you know, lack of leadership and just they've just been a mess all season long. And, it, and it's helped the Tiger Cats because, you know, midway through the season, we couldn't have thought of, you know, we thought that there would be for sure a crossover team. And now we got three on each side. So that's the way I like it. Second year in a row without a crossover, too. So maybe I'll and, and the East has started to win games against the West. And I, I understand, yes, the West is better. Winnipeg's the best team. BC's the second best team. Then there's probably an argument between Calgary and Toronto for the third best team. But at the end of the day, it all that matters is who gets in that final game and how it goes. Because you never, it's, it's one game. That's what I love about football. It's one game. And anything can happen in one game. Bounce goes your way. A couple bounces go your way. And we've felt it ourselves. 2019. There was no way that team was losing to Grey Cup and they got their teeth kicked in. So you just yeah. got to get into and the I mean, dance, man. Like a, exactly. And if you... If, say if BC makes it and they look incredible through the air, Nathan Rourke's tossing the ball all around the field, and then they get to the Great Cup game and it's minus 20 in Saskatchewan, yep. like things happen, you know, especially when it's outdoors. It's it uh, anything can happen in CFL playoffs in November. Well, playoff football's around the corner and we actually have something to talk about, which is is incredible but uh it's good it's always fun to talk playoff football and we're gonna at least get one game to talk about hopefully we get three but uh for podsky this week i'm josh smith and i'm mike graham eat them raw eat them raw